Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Great teams and welcome on board the WKOK live telephone talk show on the mark. Joe and I are enjoying what is a brave new world. Yes, I've Cloroxed everything in here. Thank you. I smell that. My microphone smells like uh, clean <laughs> whites. Well, I didn't oh. get to Clorox you yet. If you'd sit still for a minute, I have several wipes here. <laughs> <laughs> to do me. Ah, that's funny. Uh, some of our announcers put a tissue over the uh, mic, the windscreen that's on it. The windscreens are getting sanitized pretty regularly, but uh, um, probably you should do it every time you use one. But uh, they put a tissue over it also so that they're in case they touch it. Well, if you don't eat it, you should be safe. Well, we're big mic eaters around here. I know. So. We are, well, we are, you're always saying sit close to the microphone. <laughs> you have to be an inch away. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, welcome on board, everybody. It's WKOK's live telephone talk show on the meek, on the mark. <laughs> it's uh, COVID week two, uh, the partial shutdown around here. And uh, we are enjoying a, an opportunity for you to comment today. We have some guests scheduled. We're going to hear from... Not in person. We should mention that. They're on the phone. Yep. We're done with in-person visits here in the studios. All of our sunrise and on-the-mark guests are calling in. And uh, let's see what else going to tell Oh, yeah, Joe Kantz is going to check in during the 9 a.m. hour. In part, just to clarify, uh, when I did the morning news roundup, I put uh, the county commissioner's letter amidst the Democrat versus Republican fights that are underway in Harrisburg as to who has authority to shut things down or don't. And he said that was precisely the wrong place for that to be, that they're trying to be above that. So we'll let him talk. That'll be at 9.06. And we have Matt Rose, who's standing by, of course, the learned economics uh, professor, global traveler, uh, Broadway show aficionado, and musicals in particular. Does the word Dean enter into his word? Right, he's Dean. Well, I'm getting there. Okay. It's a whole paragraph, Joe. you got to be patient. <laughs> dean of the Sigmund Weiss School of Business and uh, father of uh, some of the most talented uh, young men and women that I've ever interviewed in this building. So we appreciate him standing by. On the mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. You can check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll for line is open. You can call us 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemark at wkok.com and text us at 70236. Well, Professor Rosu, if I interview your your uh, teenage uh, children, which I've done on two occasions, they both say that it is, in fact, you that has turned out well, and they're very grateful for that. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, no, they're pretty amazing. I have a lot to live up to if they've interviewed, if they've gone on before me. And I have to, to live up to the hype. Well, you, you never disappoint, Matt. No, thank you. Thank <laughs> I do appreciate that. Well, I, I think you, you've had some remarks late in your, lately, and you've produced a super video that the university kind of disseminated uh, that talks about supply and demand and, and shortages and uh, why, well, just I'll say it right out, why isn't there any toilet paper at some stores? Uh, there's some, you know, it's trickling back in, but uh, what happened? So what, what are the dynamics that are happening? here when we have shortages. Uh, thanks. Yeah, thanks for asking. Thanks for having me on. The 
we, we almost never have shortages. And I think that's the first interesting thing to point out, that as, as an economy in the United States, when do we ever not have an item available? I mean, sometimes it's expensive, but the products are basically always available for us to purchase. So when something like this comes up, I, you know, it is instructive to think through why is this happening? And also, why is it only happening for a couple products? And the biggest reason is either government laws to prevent price gouging, um, increases in prices, or sometimes just the negative PR that comes with it, firms would simply choose not to do it. So, for example, um, I don't, you know, I'm think a tiny thing of hand sanitizer might normally cost what a dollar. Right now, a lot of consumers would happily pay three or four dollars for that. Uh, however, they can't. Uh, or be, I'm sorry, the the firms aren't going to increase the price, either because they don't want to, um, they might be violating the law, but even if they're not violating the law, they don't really want the public relations mess of seeming like they are taking advantage of consumers in a crisis, therefore they leave it at a dollar. However, the consequence of that is there are some people who are then like, well, shoot, a dollar, I was willing to pay three, why don't I buy four of these, and then I'll have plenty for the next six months. And when everybody has that mentality, then we run low until production ramps back up. Okay, and that's very unusual. Um, what can be done to avoid shortages, if anything? Is that something you, can, as an economist, you can speculate about? Maybe. How about if they do sell them for three bucks? Will that stop the shortage? Well, it, it would. I mean, I, and, and it's an interesting, almost like a philosophical question. Because you don't want firms, you don't want people being taken advantage of, naturally, during a crisis situation. And that's the nature of a lot of these price gouging laws. So there's, there's a bit of a trade-off question that I think you could ask. Would it be better right now to be through our current situation where every now and then toilet paper pops back up or hand sanitizer pops back up? And you can get it for the normal price. Let's say I'm thinking a small sanitizer that costs a dollar. Or would it be better that it's always on the shelves, but at this, for the next month, it's going to cost $4 instead of $1. Uh, for something like this, especially as low cost as it is, I think the latter is clearly preferred. Um, what about things like they're, they're urging the president now to use the War Powers Act to make businesses uh, create certain types of products? Should he make better use of that? I mean, I've t- heard talk about masks that cost 85 cents normally are now selling for $7. And that's a real health issue for a lot of hospitals. Should he Absolutely. do something about that? I'm a little skeptical on what can be done if this is a short term issue. If this is, if we're thinking a year. Oh, we just lost Dr. Oh, we lost him. Okay, well, that happens with uh, cell phone technology so, uh, occasionally. And I was so. excited to hear the answer to that one. What was the question? I forgot. Okay. <laughs> uh, we better take a break. What happens when the masks go from... Right, uh, we're talking about the president s- using the War Powers Act. Yeah, War Powers Act, a mask that was 75 cents up to, up to $5. All right, well, this will be the perfect time to take a quickie break. We'll be right back. 
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right. Uh, we do have Dr. Rosu back on the line. We want to say one real quickie here from uh, the Associated Press. The state Supreme Court has dismissed the lawsuit was, that was filed by a gun shop that challenged Governor Tom Wolf's authority to shutter businesses determined, determined to be non-life-sustaining, paving the way for enforcement that begins today. The state's high court late Sunday denied the petition of the gun shop, a gun purchaser, and a law firm to have Wolf's order thrown out. So at this moment, despite those court challenges, uh, the governor's order ordering non-essential businesses to uh, shut down that order stands in place. And when we last left Dr. Rosihu, he was as- answering the question I asked about the president and the Emergency Powers Act and trying to uh, dictate to business what things should be made, hopefully to keep the costs in line. And if you would press the button, we would let him continue oh, the answer. I forgot to do <laughs> that. You. I'm sorry. Where's my brain? Matt, you're sorry. back. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, the In terms of the production... Uh, I'm skeptical that the government can improve things if this is a short-run issue. Uh, Markets are a lot nimbler than government. So, for example, I mean, just looking at a tweet from 3M right now, how they are producing 35 million respirators this month. Um, That... I trust the firms and the ability to do this for a couple of reasons. One is they see a demand right now whether or not the prices increase or not. And, in fact, a higher price is likely going to prompt these firms to say, we, we need to do whatever we can to change our production to produce masks instead of whatever else is being produced, which is costly, and the higher price would prompt that. But then with this increased supply that's coming on, it's going to bring the price right back down. So I think having a slightly higher price for the moment would is going to induce a number of firms to do this. However, from what I've seen from a lot of firms in a lot of places, both local and national, is not firms that seem to be out to exploit this issue. It's firms that are saying, what can we do to help? I mean, small examples are restaurants that are saying, okay, look, we have this extra food. We're going to feed the community. And, but I've seen that in a lot of places. That I, For the most part... A lot of bigger firms don't seem to be out there trying to exploit the situation for their own personal gain or their own firm's gain. Well, of course, in Washington today, the big issue is the stimulus package, Phase 3, that the Senate can't seem to agree on. As I understand the political ramifications, the Republicans want to send some of this money to businesses on the theory that uh, once this pandemic eases, the people who are laid off need a job to come back to, while the Democrats seem to want to pump the majority of the money to people and not to businesses. Where where should we come down on this? That's a tough question, and so I don't know the exact details of like what's in this bill that they're voting on exactly. The 
to me, getting cash in the hands of consumers immediately is probably priority one. But firms that are most likely to go out of business, giving a little bit of funds there to help so that they don't have they don't go bankrupt, so that they will exist in a month from now or whenever this is over, also seems important. The I think there's a real trade off right now between the pure efficiency of the stimulus or bailout or whatever you want to call it, uh, the pure efficiency of it and how quick it can get done. So, for example, I, I think there's a real case to be made that this extra money, certain people who are at very little risk of losing their jobs should not be getting an extra stimulus check, right? I, just, the, these aren't the individuals who need the money to pay rent right now. However, it would take time to go through and figure out exactly which individuals should get this money and which individuals should not get this money. And at the moment, time is pretty precious. And I think it's worth it to give up a little bit of the efficiency of the bill in order to get this thing passed as quickly as possible. What about the long-term impacts of increasing the national debt even more? I think it's the debt has been ignored and it's been terrible that uh, was completely I think the the national debt actually doubled during Obama's 8 years and Trump talked about how bad it is and he has done absolutely nothing about the debt either and I don't think that's a good thing whatsoever now to me is not the time to worry about the national debt now is the time to try to avoid a depression and then and what if we put in the bill okay we're going to borrow you know now they're up to 2 trillion dollars that this bill would cost what about putting in the very last paragraph oh and incidentally in the next 20 years we have to pay down the debt it'd be it'd be nice if the debt and it doesn't even need to be paid off was was reduced some the problem and you could bring on uh, political science expert but it's my understanding if congress puts that in a law then they could unless it's say, a constitutional amendment, they could just as easily say, oh, we're going to override that one provision every <laughs> single year. Uh, but uh, you think political science expert could be better on that one. Well, given their past history, Matt, I'd say that's exactly what they would do, and it's exactly what yep. they've done on other issues. Yep. Where do we go here? From your standpoint, what would be the most meaningful expenditure of our money? I mean, you said putting hands in the money in the hands of people. But going down the road, what kinds of things would you recommend that we be looking for and doing? So I think it, it, a lot of it depends on how long this is going to last and how long the slowdown from all of this disruption is going to last. Like, we're certainly um, going to have a recession, right? And that, where's the cutoff between recession and depression? I don't know that that's really well-defined. How bad will this be? In the short term, getting checks to people's hands so they can pay bills, because that helps keep everything flowing, the economy flowing, is, is really crucial. A year from now, are we likely to have, say, 7 or 8% unemployment because of just this massive disruption that happened? If we think that's the case, a bill that, say, increased spending on bridges, right? We've talked about, you talk, there's been discussions on how woeful the bridges in Pennsylvania are for however many years. Or for increased infrastructure projects, that's not a terrible time to do uh, something like that, along with a little bit of tax relief to try to get the economy back up and going. But back to the national debt argument, one of the big issues that we've seen over the past five years is 
the time when the economy is good is the time you should actually be running surpluses and paying down the debt a little bit. And both under Obama and under Trump, there's been no slowdown in the, in the deficits that we've seen. What's the long-term ramifications of what's happening here in terms of the U.S. economy? I mean, this is unprecedented. We have Wall Street's, uh, you know, doing this massive bear market right now. Uh, some folks say, well, this is a recession. Uh, let's suppose this continues for, let's say, three to six weeks more of this, uh, you know, near, sh- certainly a, a near shutdown in Pennsylvania. Some folks call it a shutdown, but it's not a completely shutdown. Uh, what is the economic and financial implication of that for the economy it's it's brutal there's two things the uh, you know that harm an economy um well disruptions and uncertainty right and and this is about the most disruptive and uncertain thing it well actually i don't think it is about this is the most uncertain and disruptive thing i've ever seen it's it's going to the i don't know at what rate the unemployment rate is going to spike to but there's discussions there are people saying that gdp could drop by 25 percent because gross domestic product is what are people producing that's that's for the quarter but but we're not producing what we used to produce because of all of the firms being shut down right now and then on top of that you you run into this um you run into this multiplying effect where if you have people who are losing jobs, then they don't have the funds to pay what they're supposed to pay. And you have other people who may not be losing jobs but are negatively affected because they're not getting the business that they used to receive from those individuals who have lost their jobs. The unemployment rate is going to spike like we've never seen before. The true hope is that things get back up and you know, if there is a stimulus package that gets cash into people's hands to help kind of cover cover this time period where work isn't available. Hopefully the disruption isn't too bad, and then once things get online, I do suspect those who haven't lost their jobs, the people who haven't lost their jobs right now cannot go out to eat at restaurants and cannot take vacations. So there could be some funds available that once things are back up and running, you could see a real infusion of economic activity. That would, I think, be the best case scenario. That things are terrible now, but there are a lot of individuals who haven't lost their jobs. They're still getting paid, and right now should be really saving money because there's not much to spend it on. And as soon as things get back to normal, would be in a really good place to kind of get things ramped back up to where they were before right away. Isn't calling this a stimulus package kind of a misnomer, since apparently most of the money that's sent to people will be used to pay existing bills and existing obligations? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel no great stake in what, what this is particularly called, whether it's stimulus or bailout or continuity package. To me, the the fact that it's paying what's already been paid, though, is pretty crucial at this point in time. Paid what's already paid? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What does that mean? Pay, paying what's oh, already sorry, paid? Paying the bills that are already existing. Okay. Okay. Right. If, if if existing bills aren't paid, that's going to harm. Um, you know, the whether it's the banks that are receiving mortgage companies, whether it, or mortgage payments, whether it is um, you know, our local cable company, you know, any any other individual business, if they aren't receiving the payments, that's you know, we could just see a negative spiral. So. Having these, um, having a package that allows people to continue paying the bills that they have, 
certainly is not. It's 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 actually a really good thing. But President Roosevelt famously said, "The only thing we have to fear is fear itself." Uh, right now, the market's plummeting. Uh, you can't turn on TV, any of the channels, and not hear doom and gloom predictions. How much of a role does the media play in trying to, you know, give strike the right balance between hope and encouragement and realistic reporting? It's a good question. The I've been frustrated by just the lack of any where to escape, and you know, as a sports fan, right, the past <laughs> couple of weeks have been rough. The right that's normally a good escape. Thankfully, if you're an NFL fan, there's been free agency to follow. Uh, ideally, right, the media reports the facts um, uh, on what's what's going on exactly. Of course, then there are dif- differences of opinion between different parties. Uh, I mean, we're seeing that a little bit right now between whether or not, like, exactly how shut down should Pennsylvania become? How, how, shut, how shut down should we become? <laughs> uh, I would leave that for the uh, epidemiologists. Uh, but at some point, if this shutdown were to continue for months, it's the economic implications would be pretty dire. Where do you see the markets going? In other words, if we've got a handle on this, the president seems to have a great deal of hope in this uh, drug that's been used for the treatment of malaria. Let's say that turns out to be the super cure. You think the markets will bounce back quickly, or will it take time? I don't know how much time. I think through my mental process on the markets, and I'm young, and so this is like the money I have in markets is for retirement. I think 18 months to two years from now when this is all gone, do I think that firms will be less profitable than they were two months ago? And I find a tough argument to say the, that they would be less profitable, and if so, then I would think that in a year or two it very well could rebound to previous levels. It, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, we're not laughing at you. I'm sorry you heard that. One of our listeners sent us a note, said one store in Denmark is outsmarting hand sanitized hoarders. It's buy one for $4, get the second one for $95. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not there sure. There we go. <laughs> of course, you get some rich people say, oh, I'll take the, just the second one, please. All okay. right. Well, thank you so much for checking in. Any additional remarks, anything to add? Maybe the most obvious question we didn't ask you, Joe and I do that all the time what what else no it's a it's a crazy time um the one thing that i've appreciated certainly being at susquehanna and i've seen it at other places too is the way that you can see some negatives but what i see in people in the community is everybody's trying their best to pull through this and that's you know in, in the middle of a time that's a little bit scary and very disruptive it's kind of inspiring to see individuals really stepping up and thinking, what can I do to make this better? Um, Hopefully we see more of that over the next couple of weeks as we we fight through this. Be nice if our political leaders exhibited that kind of uh, beneficence. (laughs) One can dream. One can dream. Well, please keep us up to date. I uh, follow your tweets, so make sure you tweet out some links to some good uh, Broadway musical videos that we can watch to help pass the time. I know that's uh, one of your uh, great loves is to see great musicals, uh, not just on Broadway, but elsewhere. And all of that's curtailed, so that, that, that might be part of it. So keep in touch, sir. Thank you so much, Thank uh, you. Dr. Rosu. Thank you both for having me on. Take do, care, Matt. I do appreciate that. Dr. Yep. Matt Rosu, uh, dean of the college, uh, the uh, Sigmund 
Wise School of Business at Susquehanna University. As we mentioned, uh, he's, of course, just a big fan of uh, Broadway musicals, and that is germane because he uses the plot lines of Broadway musicals and animated uh, comic books and other unusual themes to teach economics. The economics themes are, themes are sewn throughout some of the dramas and the plays that you see there, so he's used those, and as I mentioned, his fabulously talented uh, kids, uh, their names escape me at the moment, or I'd give them full credit, who they say they raised up him pretty darn good. So, <laughs> and yeah, I think they did a good job sharp, with the professor. They're, and they're just as sharp as can be. All right, buddy. How was your weekend? Well, it was good. And yours? <laughs> <laughs> a little wound up. But a little here. different. I mean, it's um, I, to the extent possible, we've been trying to follow the CDC guidelines at our house. Uh, mm-hmm. We've been maintaining a six-foot distance uh, from other people. And uh, I've been going out, since I can't go to the gym, I've been walking twice a day mm-hmm. around the block, you know, at least trying to get out and get some fresh air. And I think that's important. I think that too many people are actually taking the literal literal stay inside thing just a bit too far. I mean, you should get out well, and get some fresh air. It was 40 degrees over the weekend. We will add this. Well, you can put a coat on. Okay. And I did, a coat and a hat, mm-hmm. and uh, put my Walkman in and just walked around the block for about a half an hour. A Walkman? Well, it's an MP3 player. They I'm call sure. it Walkman. I know what they are. That's funny. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, you should get out and get some fresh air, you know, and and I know some places have closed the parks. Other places haven't. I think if it's, um, you know, in Shemokin Dam, we've got five parks, so there are plenty of places where people can go and, you know, take a brisk walk, get some fresh air, and still not be within five or six feet of people. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'm having a hard time coming to grips with, you know, what the best thing is to do. The governor's now talking about shelter in place here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and exactly what that means and Only how that will be implemented. questions. He hasn't brought it up yet. Well, uh, what, New York has done it and uh, California has done it. So, I mean, it's certainly something that needs to be thought about, but I'm not certain exactly how that would differ from what we already have in place. I'll tell you when we come back. You're listening. Thank you. (laughs) You're listening to News Radio 1070, WKOK Sunbury. This is On the Mark. And the next hour, we'll open up the phones. We hope to hear from you. We have a ton of emails pending. Some of them are the full releases that we've received from some of our good uh, leaders in the region. So we'll read those and we'll entertain your calls. This is News Radio 1070. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome aboard WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. 1-800-795-9565 is our toll-free line. It's busy at the moment because we have a good uh, local leader on the phone. We'll talk to him in one second. In the meantime, if you'd like to email us, do so at onthemark at WKOK.com and text us at 70236. On the mark, always sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. And we have asked for and received a call from Joe Kant, Snyder County Commission. Commissioner Chairman, uh, he's one of the signatories on a five-county regional county commissioner letter that came out over the weekend uh, that uh, I'll read some of the text for you. It, it says, to all of our fellow citizens in Columbia, Montour, Northumberland, Snyder, and Union Counties, we, the undersigned commissioners, want to encourage each of you as we advance through this COVID-19 virus pandemic to stay informed. We recognize the importance of having all of us working together to defeat the threat of this virus effect 
protecting our citizens. This pandemic is like no other we've ever faced. We want to encourage you to follow the guidelines put forth by the CDC and the Pennsylvania Department of Health. Our responsibility as county commissioners is to safeguard the public safety to the extent of our ability. We value every one of you and we want you to be safe. Stay home if you are not required to be at work. Limit your travel so we can flatten the curve of COVID-19. This will support our local hospitals, friends and neighbors. We thank you for your patience and your cooperation during this national disaster. Uh, Sign the aforementioned commissioners, then each of the names of each of the three commissioners in each of the counties uh, was there. Uh, Joe, we have an opportunity now. Elaborate on that. What led to writing the letter and disseminating it to the media and citizens? Sure, Mark. So, um, you know, the county commissioners in all five counties uh, have been doing the best to stay in, t- in contact with one another. Uh, we've been doing that through a series of uh, conference calls throughout this whole uh, situation that we've been dealing with over the past, uh, you know, week and a half. And uh, one of the conversations last week uh, was to say, hey, we need to, you know, make sure people understand the seriousness of this issue. We want to make sure that people understand that, you know, our job we really feel is to help do everything we can to protect our citizens. And uh, so we felt that it was imperative that we get a letter out to the public just saying, you know, here's some simple things to do, you know, follow the CDC guidelines for washing your hands and social distancing and all of those sorts of things to to try and do the best you can to remain safe. And uh, so we wanted to do that in a form that we could get out to the media, out to the public very quickly. And so uh, my suggestion was we do that through social media. We each have our you know own uh, con- list of contacts and whatnot. And uh, of course, we did want to share it with the media as well. And uh, and of course, Mark knows that I called in this morning uh, when when I heard the letter being used to uh, sort of pit legislators against the governor. That was not the intent of that letter. It never never had that intent in it. And uh, just wanted to clarify that you know we we really have as commissioners just a real sincere. Uh, concern for our citizens. That's that's what we do every day. And so uh, we're not playing politics here. It's a bipartisan, you know, all all commissioners in all five counties signed this letter, signed on to this letter. And uh, we just want to make people know that we do care about them. We're doing everything we can to help our employees so that we're here to serve the public. Uh, even though we're not, we're not in Snyder County, we're not allowing the public into the building right now, but we're here to help folks. We're here some counties have their folks at home. We're here at the office, uh, and, and each county can choose to do that the way they see fit, obviously, that makes the most sense for them. For us, it makes more sense to have the folks here in the office and helping our folks, our residents, telephonically and electronically so that we can still meet their needs. So the commissioners are in no way participating in a conversation about the governor's authority to do mm-hmm. which he has done. House GOP members are irritated at this. Um, uh, there, there were two lawsuits. They've been dismissed, so those are pending. Literally, as I describe it, the commissioners are trying to be above that fight and are, in fact, reaching out directly to citizens. That's correct, Mark. Um, we're, you know, we're not at that, uh, I don't want to say at that pay grade, but we're not at that level. I mean, obviously we can have our own opinions. I mean, I have my own opinions about how the governor has handled a number of things. Some things I think he's handled very well, and other things I think he's handled very poorly. Uh, I think that his communication with the public has been okay. I think his communication with the House leadership and Senate leadership and county commissioners as a whole has, has uh, some more, some room to work on. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. That has nothing to do with 
the message in this letter, which is the most important message, which is to people, if you're not required to go to work or not able to go out, then please stay home and let's get the, we want to see this curve flatten out on this, uh, the spread of this uh, COVID-19 so that we can all get back to some sense of normalcy uh, as soon as possible. How does what you call for in the letter differ from what the governor has already requested? Um, is, in what way, Joe? Well, I mean, is, is there anything different, anything you've added that you recommend that the governor hasn't already said, this is what we should be doing? No, no, I think uh, we, we very much, uh, it's, I mean, it's very short and sweet, and we did it that way for a reason. We're, we're telling people to get informed, be informed, go to the CDC website. There's a lot of, and you know, for some of those folks like myself that don't like to read more than you have to, there's a lot of graphics there. And, and I think they've done that for a reason. It's, you know, we've got some very simple graphics about what to do, washing your hands, taking care of yourself, put your, put your if you're going to cough, put your cough into your arm. All of those sorts of things are in very easy-to-read graphics, so, so easy so much so that even a, a child can understand them, which I think is wonderful. Uh, so we want to direct people to those resources in case they haven't seen them. I'm, I'll be honest, I spoke to somebody this weekend that didn't realize uh, that we're really encouraging people to stay home as much as possible because the more you stay home, the more that you can, you can kind of combat this thing and not spread it around. And while, while we also have concerns for our businesses, there's no question about that, uh, I'd encourage people to do the takeout and the, the delivery uh, for, for meals. If, they wanna, uh, if they're not cooking at home, then by all means, support our local restaurants because this is the only way they have to make an income right now. And, of course, that list is going to multiply as of today with the governor's edict uh, to shut down what he deems non-essential uh, businesses. I mean, I... Personally, I think every business is essential because part of what makes us be alive, part of what drives us every day is a job. And and you can go back to when you first started your first job to think, now I really have a purpose. I really have something to, to do every day. And uh, so I think that every job is essential for a good well-being and, and well-bringing up uh, and, and life. But, um, you know, that again, that's, that's something that I don't have control over, so I'm not going to get into that mix. Uh, my main concern is our is our individuals, our county residents in, in all four five counties in central PA and beyond. And uh, you know, I fear that we're going to see these numbers continue to rise quite rapidly, especially this week. But uh, let's all hope and pray that uh, we start to see uh, start to see that curve flatten out. Hopefully, in in a week or two. Well, on TV the other day, I heard, or last week, I guess it was, I kept hearing testing. We need more testing. We must test. If we had more tests, everything would be better. Now they're saying, well, let's not test everybody. Let's only test people who uh, come in and actually look like they might have the disease. You know, so there have been some conflicting things, and things have changed. What do you think people should be doing? I mean, it's so easy to listen to the media and get, I think, I won't say, um, well, maybe just additionally concerned about certain things. But what should sure. we be doing? What's more important? Is it more important to isolate ourselves or to practice the sanitation, the social distancing, the hand washing, the, the disinfecting? I, I think it's important to do all of the above, Joe. So even when we're at home, we have loved ones around us that we should want to protect. And so to protect them, we should be going through, even in our own homes, we should be disinfecting. We should be using the same guidelines that the CDC is putting forth to help protect one another. Because uh, I don't know about you, but the last thing I want to do 
is is uh, take the you know somebody who is required to always be at work as a county commissioner. You know, here in the courthouse, we we don't close. I mean, unless the governor or the president tells us we're closing, we are required by law to be open uh, and, and and doing business. And so we're here. And so the last thing I want to do as an individual is carry this thing home to my family. Okay. As I'm sure everybody would feel that way. Well, let me ask you this question. You have meetings scheduled, public meetings scheduled, which obviously are not going to happen. Does your emergency declaration clear you from the obligation of having public meetings? Or do you hold them open by phone? No, it's a great question. And unfortunately, I don't know the actual answer to that yet. It's the same answer, the same question I was going to ask my solicitor this morning because I heard it come up over the weekend. And uh, one of the things that, one of the reasons commissioners, mayors, uh, folks in local government, supervisors, one of the reasons you do a declaration is because sometimes things move so quickly. And, and this has been a great example. This doesn't change day by day. It changes hour by hour in some cases. So by doing an emergency declaration, not only does it free you up for purchasing without bid limitations and advertising and things like that that we would normally have to do, and, and, and I understand why, it's the same for meetings as well from what I've heard over the weekend, and that's one of the things we're going to be researching today. We do have a public meeting scheduled for Tuesday. However, our building is closed off to the public right now for the for reasons we've already discussed. Uh, our intent was to have that meeting outside uh, so that it's still sunshine, if you will. Uh, I don't know that we are required to do that once we're under a disaster, but we still plan to do that anyway. Well, I I, that's, I ask you that question because it's an issue I'm facing as well in our borough because I have not yet declared an, an, a disaster because the state's disaster declaration covered everything that we might be doing except the issue of whether or not public meetings have to still be held, whether or not we still have other obligations with respect to the Sunshine Law. And, and one step further, Joe, I mean, you know, one thing that we have today that we didn't have years ago is we have uh, forms of media, whether it be social media or what have you. I mean, look at all the churches that have been closed over the past two weeks, and look at how many of us have uh, relied upon social media, Facebook Live, uh, YouTube, whatever it may be, to worship at our house of worship over the Internet. Um and I, I heard a priest last night on Channel 16 talking about the fact that when he was in seminary, he never in a million years thought he would ever be delivering his sermon via Facebook or, or Facebook Live. Yeah. And, and now he's thankful for that technology to be there and, and allow him to still reach his parishioners. And, uh, and, and I would say that um, there's no reason that public servants can't use that media for the, for the, same, for the same reason. Good point. Have you followed the idea of a potential lockdown where individuals have to shelter in place? Have you studied what that entails for Snyder County? I have not, Mark. Um, obviously, that that's something, again, that is out of our control, and if it comes to that point, we will deal with it. Uh, I've been more focused on the election. As many of you know, I'm uh, chair, co-chairman of our Elections Reform Committee at our uh, state association, And that's what I've spent the majority of my weekend on, is working through the election issues. There have been meetings over the weekend, and uh, we're working to clear up or clean up, I should say, uh, some of the problems with Act 77, which was passed last fall. Uh, That has caused some great angst amongst most of our elections directors, and uh, we're hoping that we are going to have a bill, hopefully by the end of this week, uh, that can be looked at by the State House and make those fixes so that we can... 
uh, make sure we don't have any delays whenever Election Day may be, if we do have to move it, which is, I would say there's a strong likelihood that that could happen. Uh, but if we do have to move it, that whenever Election Day comes, that we can get results out quickly, uh, not necessarily two or three days later, which is what the new law would almost force us to do in its current form. I know part of this answer, to have an election, all you have to do is open up polls and have encourage everybody to get out the vote. <laughs> tell, tell our audience what happens behind the scenes. Oh, well, there's so much that goes on behind <laughs> the scenes. I mean, it's, it's not just uh, printing ballots and making sure the machines are ready to go. Of course, that's a very important part of it. But uh, the, the voter registration, the uh, keeping that list up to date, you know, as people pass away, you want to refresh that list and make sure that we don't have uh, folks who have passed on the list any longer than necessary. Uh, it's, uh, it's getting those absentee, um, it's getting the applications in to register to vote. Uh, which come on a regular basis throughout the year, not just certain times of the year. And then as you get closer to the election, now with the new passage of Act 77 and Act 93 this past year, uh, you've got uh, re- more restrictive deadlines on voter applications. So if you want an absentee ballot or the new vote-by-mail ballot, our 30-day window is now down to 15 days, and all of those things have to be tracked now. So when you apply for a ballot, an, ab- uh, an absentee ballot or a mail-in ballot, you now have to be put into a, an electronic system that is available online to the public, and we need to track that as a county elections office so that as soon as we receive that application, you can go online and you can see that the county has received your application, and throughout the process, from there forward, you'll be able to track where your application is, where your ballot is, until it comes back to the county elections office and that final mark says ballot received and that will have to be indicated on your website as well so that the voter can follow that so there's a a lot more responsibilities that have been given to us as an elections office because of the laws that were passed last year and uh and of course we have the same number of staff so it's the same number of staff doing a lot more work and making sure that we don't miss anything because that's obviously I've always told people it's probably the most important thing that we do as county commissioners is overseeing a safe and secure election process. All right. Well, certainly there will be more to say about this in the weeks and months ahead. Legislature is considering pushing back, I think, June was the delay that I heard, June 2nd. So that's one date under consideration, but we'll see what happens to the Pennsylvania spring primary election. Joe, anything else to say of great import? You have an open mic here anytime. Any last thought here? No, I, I appreciate the open mic, my, uh, Mark and, and Joe. And, uh, you know, again, just, um, you know, I, I know Mark and, and Joe both, uh, you know, we're all kind of uh, cut from the same cloth in some ways. And, and we're people of faith. And, you know, we faced a lot of big issues in our lifetime in this country. And this one may seem as uh, a rather large issue. And I would I would say that it probably is. However, there is nothing that we cannot get through as Americans, as local central Pennsylvanians, when we work together. And that was the main reason that we felt it imperative to come out with a multi-county response to encourage our residents to stay home as much as possible, to use the guidelines that are set forth by our our, uh, agencies, our health agencies, to protect themselves in this uh, this um, spread of this virus, 
But we should be practicing these things all the time. The more sanitary we are, the more safe we are, the better we are as a society. And so I just want to encourage uh, everyone to be safe. And for those that are folks of prayer, I'd ask you to pray for our leaders right now more than ever. There's a lot of decisions that are being made that are first-time decisions, not just for your local uh, township supervisors, county commissioners, but our president, our governor, our state representatives, our federal uh, representatives. These folks are dealing with things that they've never dealt with before and never thought they'd have to deal with. So. Uh, if you're a person of prayer, I really ask you and, and plead with you to please pray for our leaders. All right. Well, thank you so Thanks, much Joe. again. Appreciate it. Check in again. We'll talk uh, in the days and weeks ahead. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Stay safe. Joe Kantz, Snyder County Commissioner, Chair, and uh, let's see, one of the great vocalists in True Heart, the great gospel band, works part-time at the North Shore Railroad and the railroad system there, so he's a busy guy. You're listening to On the Mark, WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show, On the Mark, COVID Week 2, now underway. We have open phones. Call us. What is uh, your thoughts or your concerns, your your emails? We have a couple of emails pending, and we'll look at those, but no text, so you can text us at 70236. Uh, You can, uh, of course, call us. 1-800-795-9565. 1-800-795-9565. We always talk about our sponsor, the Sunbury Motor Company. This show is brought to you by the Sunbury Motor Company. It's a family-owned dealership since 1915. 4th Street, Sunbury, and Routes 11 and 15 Hummels Wharf. Find out lots more about them at sunburymotors.com. They invite you to visit the Quick Lane on North 4th Street in Sunbury. That's where they specialize in all types of service on vehicles, state inspections. They'll pump you up with nitrogen. They're open Monday through Friday, 6.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 6.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. You can find them on the web at sunburymotors.com. Check out online specials. Uh, they got thousands of pre-owned vehicles that are in perfect condition, or they got thousands of brand-new Ford, Hyundais, Kias, and Lincolns on the lots, and uh, you can uh, definitely find the vehicle that you need at the Sunbury Motor Company, and if not, uh, they, you could build a Ford, Hyundai, Kia, or Lincoln to your precise specifications. Please uh, patronize our good local sponsor, the Sunbury Motor Company. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Uh, 
Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the mark, we got a caller standing by. Mike, just hold on one split second while we uh, get uh, organized here with our important uh, news headlines. Just some brand new headlines here. Colonel Robert Avanchik, Commissioner of the State Police, says they will start enforcing the governor's partial shutdown order today. Non-life-sustaining businesses are required to be closed. He says private businesses, organizations, and other non-compliant entities face possible criminal penalties. He says most Pennsylvanians want to act responsibly and do their part to slow the spread of the deadly virus. He also notes, as an aside, that if an individual declines to close during the closure and is fined, that makes them ineligible for any of the federal, local, or state assistance that would be coming out in the weeks and months and years ahead to help recover from this. In Sealands Grove, the latest town to declare a state of emergency, according to a statement from council, offices are closed to the public, but staff available for email and telephone conversations. Recycling is suspended as well. Uh, They advise people, please wash your hands, practice social distancing, and be a good neighbor. Quote, this is a stressful and uncertain time for everyone. We can get through this together, they say in Sealands Grove. Uh, Evangelical Community Hospital has an alternative test site for COVID virus. It's open every day from 7 to 7 at Plaza 15 behind the McCann School of Business. Evangelical Community Hospital President and CEO Kendra Auker says you got to get permission to go first. You drive in your car over to this site, and there's a group of people there to Laying meet you. You provide your physician order for the testing, and then they do the testing right there at that site, and they have the materials they need to test you there. More information at evanhospital.com. We invite you to go to our page, Outbreak Coronavirus, and the proper links are there. Four sentences from the Harrisburg AP in terms of an update. Pennsylvania Health Officials Sunday reported more than 100 new cases in Pennsylvania for a total of 470. Three coronavirus deaths have been reported in Pennsylvania. Philadelphia's stay-at-home order took effect at 8 o'clock today. The State House's State Government Committee Chairman says forthcoming legislation would delay Pennsylvania's primary to June 2nd. That legislation could make it to the governor's desk this week. So those are some of the headlines. Uh, Stay tuned to our local newscast throughout the day. We'll put them on the radio, and many of the uh, elements that I'm reading are already on Outbreak Coronavirus, our go-to page at WKOK.com. Mike, thank you for waiting. You are on the mark. And we have a call coming in, too. Okay. Mike? Okay, uh, yeah, hey, uh, you know, since I was a little kid, I was aware of the government having a what's now known as a continuity plan. In other words, the, the federal government was trying to ensure the survival of our country. You know, we had bomb shelters and things like that. And then once the Iron Curtain fell, that kind of shifted away. And then we got hit with 9-11, and those continuity plans that we had weren't appropriate. And then after 9-11, we started worrying about terrorist nukes, and then those plans weren't appropriate, and then everything fell apart with the response to Katrina, with the federal response to that. Well, after that, they spent billions and billions of dollars to try to come up with good continuity plans to ensure the safety of us citizens and the continuation of our government. Now, that all said, pandemics have been around a while, and what I'm hearing most prevalently on the news media is a shortage of respirators, a shortage of hospital beds, and all those things. So to me, when we have these multi-million dollar corporations running these hospitals, 
and many of, much of that money comes from the federal government one way or another, it seems to me that we would have excess capacity of hospital beds for events like this and excess capacity of uh, respirators and things that we need to get through this. Now, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying we need to make changes in the future. But what I'm really appalled at is, and, and what set me off on this rant, was yesterday I turned on the radio and I heard a governor of one of the states, and I don't know who he is, and he said, and of course we have to go on TV and smash the president because that's the only way we can get his attention. Well, isn't the governor somewhat responsible for his state? And, and that's, that's the end of my rant. That's a good question because I've heard that debate over the weekend, the president saying the states have some obligation to de- determine their own response. And that makes sense because New York obviously has a bigger problem than Maine. You know, so the governors do need to take independent action that reflects the conditions that they're dealing with. But on the other hand, I think the federal government has a definite obligation to make sure that in place are the resources the governors can call on. Well, exactly. If there's a flood, a major flood in the Susquehanna River Valley, I'm thinking we can uh, respond to that. If there's a major East Coast hurricane, we should be able to respond to that. But in this case, this is a national pandemic. My position is that the hospitals and the states have to be on hand to support themselves also. And what we're seeing is everything is landing on Trump. He's the one that has to fix this. The federal government has to do this. Let's face it. If all hell breaks loose, there's not enough National Guard people to secure everything. That's, that's, that's just the, re- the reality of the situation. Everybody's responsible, and the idea that you can just shift the blame up the ladder to the top has me a little ticked off. And then the final thing I want to say is, you know, they, we, we have these states pleading for uh, bailouts and all this stuff. Well, I don't want to see all this money going to the states that have these gigantic pension liability holes, this tremendous amount of debt that they have. I mean, yeah, that, that stuff's important, but the states are responsible for keeping their financial self in order, and I don't want to see trillions of dollars going to bail out Illinois New Jersey, New York, and the states that they know they can't pay off their pensions as it is now. And, you know, who was it? Rahm Emanuel never let a good crisis go to waste. Right. I think that's what we're seeing in Washington, Washington right now, uh, politicians from these states trying to take advantage of this situation. And I don't think I've seen anything of that. I, I'm not a big fan of Wolf, but I haven't seen him acting like that. Well, I think that our elected leaders have to stop playing the political advantage card here, uh, and that that's a, a real issue because I think that's exactly what they're doing. The Republicans playing it one way, the Democrats playing it another way. Certainly, these are theoretically intelligent people who should be able to sit down, analyze the situation, and determine what it is we need and see that we get it. Without a doubt. And, and, and too much politics. Yeah, that charade we had yesterday, that sent financial markets around the world into a tizzy overnight. That, that was insane. I, I mean, I'm actually getting a little bit tired of even watching it, but I know I have to stay abreast and you know try to help my family and, and my wife and I here where we live and, and, and know what's going on and take the necessary precautions. But I'm, I'm hearing more and more people say they're just getting so sick of what's on TV that they're starting to tune out, and that's the wrong message. 
All right. Thank you so much, Mike. Really Thanks, appreciate, Mike. appreciate your call. Thanks for checking in. And we got three callers standing by. We'll take a quickie break. We're going right to the phones when we return. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC Way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC Way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, thank you so much for listening, everybody. You're listening to On The Mark, WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show uh, On The Mark. One of our listeners sends us a note, says, I wonder what the reaction will be to the anti-vaccination people if they come up with a vaccine for the coronavirus. Good question. Uh, we've had some callers waiting by for at least uh, six minutes, each of them, so we'll, get, we'll knock them down. Here we go. Bobby, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. Yes, um, um, good morning, everyone. You know, I'd like to see the country and the people come together like like years in the past when we had the 72 flood around here and the 75 flood and the snowstorm in 96, of course, in 2011 and that, uh, where, uh, uh, you know, people came to, I mean, through politics aside and through, I mean, just basically wanted to help people out. Of course, of course, I was working in the media at the time. And, and, You're an engineer, uh, uh, right? Yeah, of course, I was working here at, w, at, at well, yeah, at, at WKOK, and, and uh, I think it was Joe or somebody that asked me to come and, uh, and help do the news, because Chuck Devetsko, I mean, there was only so much, so many employees at that time that were working, and I said, yes, I said, I can be a newsman. I mean, in other words, have people use their talents and get more involved in, in, in helping people out. Okay. Well, my daughter had a phrase when she was a teenager and she wanted something and I would say no. She'd say, now I know who you really are. I see who you really are. Well, now we're going to find out who we really are as a valley. Right. We've done it during viruses and, or, I'm sorry, floods and blizzards and all kind of stuff. Uh, you know, we find out who we really are and uh, coronavirus uh, is going to tell us who we really are. Dale, you're on the mark. I just want to say, you know, we're going from a welfare state to a military state because our Democratic governors are not following the federal government. So I think we need to strip our governors of power because right now is the time to cut red tape, not put more red tape on. I think the governments are doing that. Yeah, but, yeah, I know, a little, little too late, but, I mean, how come there's, rich elected officials still on the welfare system. I think we need to cut the size of government. I think it's very important, okay, because in order to remain competitive or try to compete, we have to have all options on the table. I I just, I mean, you're economists and all like that. Yeah, I understand everybody has a different point of view and all like that, but 
no longer this is it's it's a one world government now because our billionaires just withdrew twenty two trillion out of our stock market since November. What? Okay. Now, now listen. Then China just announced that eight trillion of liquidity's been injected in their economy. So is that our billionaires just withdrew money out of our markets and just injected? So I mean, I put I it think into China. It's yeah. their money to do what they want to do. It's fishy. I mean, I don't. Huh? It's fishy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm just want to say, I mean, is our governors working with us or, or against us? I mean, because there's 1,900 CEOs just resigned in 2020. Top CEOs. Oh, wow. So in the I, last I, three months, I, 1,900 CEOs have resigned. Where did you get that number? From what source? Uh, Fox Business. I'm sorry, but I've never seen anything like that. 1,900 CEOs well, resigned in January and February. But there's a million CEOs uh, yeah, in the U.S. Yeah. It's a normal turnover. He's making it sound like it's because of the virus. It's because okay. of the influx of cash into China. Oh, okay. Nothing to do with us. It's not, it's not our money. They can do what they want to do. It's all China. You know, I think the sanctuary cities right now are using their microphone to really put it in. I think that you know the Democratic governors are not working with our with our people or our federal government. So okay. I, I think well, we need to ask, ask Wolf where that three hundred and twenty million in rainy day funds is going to go, and wh- where is he doing with it? Thank I you mean, so if much. We have any responsible people right now. Really, yeah. I tell you what, nobody sees the puzzle put together like you do. So we appreciate you calling in and uh, and with the updates. So laying out the bar that. association for us, so we understand what's happening. Shane, thank you so much for calling in. Our next caller is Shane Fawzee. He's concerned about uh, bringing outside inmates into the central Susquehanna Valley. Uh, tell us about this uh, dilemma, Shane. Yes, good morning. I'm a, my name is Shane Fawzee. I'm the national president for the Council of Prison Locals, and we cover 122 federal prisons in approximately 33 states. Uh, we've been working very closely with the Bureau of Prisons, trying to curtail the effect of the coronavirus, not only inside of our federal prisons, but outside the institutions as well, because we directly affect the health of the communities. Uh, unfortunately, the director of the Bureau of Prisons has refused to stop moving inmates. Uh, inmates are moving as we speak. Some of them are coming to central Pennsylvania. Uh, they're coming from suspicious or what we call hot zones like New York City. And we're absolutely appalled that this director continues to bring inmates into our area specifically but they're moving all over the country. Uh, and I really think that they're failing to protect the local communities by taking uh, an unnecessary risk. Is he bringing well inmates to an area where there's wellness so they don't get contaminated? He's bringing, they're shifting inmates from all over the country. So it's not really one specific area, but there is definitive movement coming out of areas like Los Angeles and New York City, and they're moving them into other relatively unaffected areas. Now, I'm pretty positive that these inmates are suspicious. Uh, they're, they're telling people in New York City to hold in place, stay in your home. But we're loading these guys up on buses and airplanes and moving them to other areas of the country. So it's a risk that doesn't need to happen. All right. I asked the question. Maybe you didn't get the question, or maybe you didn't hear it. Uh, are these inmates who are not infected with the coronavirus being taken out of those areas because they're not infected and they're brought to areas that are not infected so that these inmates can stay not infected. 
Well, there's really, the only screening tool that they're using right now is they're checking temperatures. And, and as you know, uh, once a person presents a temperature, some people aren't showing any signs at all when they're uh, carrying the virus. So there's really no definitive test to say this person's positive, this person is negative. I will tell you that the Bureau of Prisons has minimal, if any, testing kits. Uh, we're not high on the priority chain when it comes to the community. Um, so these inmates aren't being definitively tested before they move. They're checking temperatures, but that's it. I thought I heard over the weekend that this idea was scrapped. The Bureau of Prisons announced uh, over a week ago that they were halting all inmate movement. But I will tell you for a fact that they're moving as we speak. They're continuing movement. All right, so they said they were going to stop, but didn't actually decline to do so. Why does the Federal Bureau of Prisons indicate that they'd want to move these inmates? The reasoning they're saying is uh, bed space in their detention centers, which most of our detention centers are in your major metropolitan areas, like I said earlier, Los Angeles, New York, Houston. Um, but we're, we believe that this crisis is so serious at this point, especially areas like New York City, that we should take a 14 to 21 day complete halt, uh, shelter in place, even the inmates, until we get through the worst part of this crisis, and then we can look at moving then. But I think moving right now is irresponsible, the risk that they're putting our communities in. Well, if there was ever an example of shelter in place, I'd say it would be prisons. They're not, they don't have much freedom of movement in there, do they? Well, their business is pretty much normal. Unless your community is affected, uh, the inmate population is still operating pretty much normal. They're curtailing some of the interactions, but when you have 150 offenders in a housing unit, it's kind of hard to, you know, separate them, you know, according to CDC guidelines. But the Bureau is also not handling that very well. Well, they don't offer six feet of clearance, do they, from one person to the next in a prison? I'd say it's much more crowded than that. It's a very densely crowded uh, population, it is. Hey, well, you know, I think this is something we need to keep an eye on. I don't think we want to make it worse for them. Don't want to make it worse for our communities. And I thank you for taking the time to inform us on the issue. All right, we'll be monitoring this. Uh, there is a little bit of national coverage of this. Uh, unions have been uh, really trying to pound the drum, but it's been drowned out by other aspects of the COVID virus. But there has been a little bit of coverage, and we'll try to keep it up, too. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Shane. Have a good day. Thank you very Stay much. safe. Yep, yes, sir. appreciate that. In case you didn't catch that, uh, he represents one of the national unions uh, that uh, represents individuals who are the correctional officers at our federal prisons. And uh, the Federal Bureau of Prisons had the idea of uh, bringing inmates uh, who could be perceived well into areas where there wasn't the COVID virus. But as uh, strangely enough, there's no testing involved. A fever is part of it, but that's after a couple weeks of being contagious. Then you get the fever and you, and you get the illness severely. I mean, in many cases. So to be continued. We're going to take a quickie break. We do have emails pending. We got uh, some, we got a half a dozen uh, diatribes from various elected leaders lately, some Dems and some GOPs. So we'll try to read those. But it is an open phones show. It's the WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. 1-800-795-9565.
comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. You've got to be a speedy dialer if you want to get through now. 1-800-795-9565. We do have some guests scheduled later this week at 8.30 in the morning. And Dr. David Martin from Bucknell is a professor that's going to talk about uh, how governments have done during crises in the past, missed opportunities. A fascinating professor to uh, read some of his remarks. So he'll be calling right. in tomorrow at 8.30. Billy Allred uh, is going to check in. Uh, we're going to ask him to call in th- Wednesday morning, so and he's really talking about the authority of the governor, not necessarily the wisdom of a uh, of a shutdown order. Although we could ask him that as well, with this idea of overstepping your authority and mandating and then enforcing a shutdown, he can kind of put on his county commissioner hat too. No, he's not a county commissioner; he's a township or, or, supervisor. I'm sorry, township supervisor. Thank you. Well, we had a, an event scheduled for today that I think really points out the problem we're having. Pennsylvania Democrats and Republic and Representative Evans. Scanlon and Dean to blast Trump coronavirus mishandling ongoing attacks on the health care system. PA's congressional leaders to highlight the administration's failure to keep Pennsylvania safe amid the coronavirus pandemic. Tomorrow, Monday, March 23rd at 10.30 a.m., Pennsylvania Democratic Party Chairwoman Nancy Patton Mills and U.S. Representatives Dwight Evans, Mary Gay Scanlon, and Madeline Dean will host a press call to highlight President Trump's gross mismanagement of the novel coronavirus pandemic and his ongoing attacks on the health care system. The group will point to the administration's failure to prepare for the virus, including the president's move to fire the entire White House office dedicated to fighting pandemics. Let me stop you there. They didn't do that. He didn't do that. So that actually didn't happen. No. But then the other thing, failure to prepare, that's been asked and answered, and it's done. Obviously, there's hundreds of missed opportunities. The president says the CDC and other people were paddling like crazy underneath while he denied it, but he was still moving forward. So be that as it may, most people who have done news conferences and things have done so forward thinking. So, you know, you could almost just stipulate that the president could have done better. That's a sound stepping off point for the future. But he he has done quite a bit. Even Governor Cuomo well, has thanked now, him yeah, for his work. fine. In the future, who knows what he's going to do. So anyway, go ahead. Well, in any event, they said they'll also highlight the strain on our health care system caused by Trump's decision to delay coronavirus testing for months and his inability to ensure that medical professionals have the supplies they need to care for our sick. So the president was supposed to personally make sure that people had all the supplies they, they needed. 
Come on. Well, that I, I think they have a point there. If the president would have taken it seriously, it's like climate change. If the president took it seriously, we could do something. But the president doesn't take it seriously, so we're not going to do anything. Well, likewise in January, when he said it's it's just like a cold, and it's soon be down to case zero in the U.S., okay. and there's going to be a vaccine soon. That's a missed opportunity. There's no argument about that. But well, that there is an argument about that. Really? Yes, there is. He never said that? Uh, they've canceled this. We should mention that they've well, now canceled true. it. And <laughs> yeah. I, I got a big kick out of that. Why? If it was so horrible, why did they cancel this? Because it makes them look like they're part of the problem, not part of the solution. It makes them look tone deaf. Very tone deaf. It makes them look like there's a big crisis going on. They found a foothold to really blast the president, and so they and called it. we need it. to get out there, and instead of supporting and working to keep things better, we're going to make it worse. Right. <laughs> 1-800-795-9565. Uh, Chris from Milton. Thanks for calling in. Go right ahead. You're on the mark. Well, I think they should be criticizing Trump. That's fine. How does that help us now? Hold it. Hold it. Let me get this whole sentence out. Okay, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Because Trump glorifies himself and lies about what he's done and makes up fantasies about what he thinks is going to happen every day at the press conferences. He's the one who's, 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 who's distorting reality, and somebody's got to answer that. Okay. Yes, no? You don't well, agree he's doing I, that? You do I, agree I think he's doing he, that? What? The president has a right to his opinions, and, and sometimes those well, opinions... So the Democrats. No, no, wait a second. Let me figure... You to ask me to let uh, you finish. Well, let me I'm finish. Not paying you back. Let me finish. I, I didn't cut you off. It was Go Mark. Go ahead. I think, the, I think the president... Hurry. I think the president <laughs> has demonstrated true leadership here, and I think even Governor... <laughs> Even Governor Cuomo, Come on. even Governor Cuomo admits that he's been very helpful and been very cooperative. He has not played politics. He sent the hospital <laughs> ships to Philadelphia, to New York, and to Los Angeles. He's worked with Governor Newsom in I California. I think Chris has the COVID. He's coughing in the background. Well, you know, it's it's easy to just say, "All right, we don't like President Trump. He screwed up this. He screwed up that." But the fact is, he's trying to do the best. He has those experts with him every day. No, he's he's listening to them. Yeah, Chris, he could he could have. Jesus Christ sitting on his shoulder, and you would say he was wrong. Well, he would be wrong because Jesus Christ wouldn't be on his shoulder. <laughs> but you're just being ridiculous, Joe. I, I mean, am. You are. Yes, yes. Look at what he ha- has. Look what he says every time. He, he, he contradicts the doctors. The doctors have to jump in to correct him. And he's expressing I mean, his he, opinions, and he, he's being he optimistic. He denigrates any Democrat who disagrees with him. Did he denigrate Governor Cuomo? Did he denigrate Governor yes, Newsom? Yes, yes, he, In the past. But now he's working with them. He's put aside his animosity, and instead of and he's doing what needs to be done for the country. He dumped on him just two days ago, I think it was, after he complimented them before. <laughs> okay, well, you have it your way. I'll have it mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has it the true way. You have it wrong. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back with uh, some open phones tomorrow. Unless you cough. This is News Radio. Uh, unless I cough? Hmm? This is News Radio 1070 WK. OK, Sunbury. It is 10 a.m.